all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who guided us, who granted us so many favors and bounties, who blessed us with so many mercies that we could not count. <coughs> and we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and his progeny and his companions and his wives and all those that followed him in their ways. So as we get come close to finishing off the book, uh, there's a, f- a few names that we can keep coming across that Imam Ghazali sort of says that he's given reference to these names in the past already. Uh, so we won't go into a great amount of detail, uh, just maybe try to remind of some of the concepts, especially some of the names in the beginning. But anyway, this next name, part of it has been, uh, the idea, idea behind it has been mentioned before. Um, and that is the name Al-Muntaqim. So this is the avenger, the one who takes vengeance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, فَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ مُخْلِفَ وَعَدِهِ رُسُلَهُ That do not ever think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will go against the promise that He has given to His messengers. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ ذُنْتِقَامٌ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mighty one. He is almighty, the possessor of vengeance. And so the ulama described that this, this quality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because we, th- we think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be someone of mercy and of compassion. And that is there. However, Allah Ta'ala also, in order to keep the balance of the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is required that He has such qualities and attributes that might be uh, opposite to certain things of mercy and compassion. But he, has, he is the one that has attributes that are opposite to each other as well. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that keeps the balance in the world. And so this particular attribute serves like a defense mechanism does in a body. That just as we have a body and we might get sick, and so our body then comes down and it, it clamps down on that sickness, on that germ, on that bacteria to purge the body of it. You know, if we think about, for example, what is a, uh, what is a fever? A fever is actually a very interesting thing. Uh, and we tend to, when we get sick, what happens? We get a fever, we take some medicine, and we get rid of the fever, right? But getting rid of the fever isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Because the reason that our body has produced this fever is actually because there's something else that's ailing us, right? There's some other type of sickness that is in our body, some germ, and so our body heats up to try to cook it, to kill it, to purge it out of our system. Right? That's why we get a fever and that's why we, our body gets hot. So in the same way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, <clears throat> sometimes through difficulty, He will purge what is wrong with the world, out of this world. Now, in particular, the examples that are given and the verses that are spoke, that <clears throat> where Allah ta'ala mentions this attribute of His, generally deal with the oppressors, tyrants, 
And Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, <coughs> mentions, and the, the translator of this, these, this book, they use an interesting word here. They say, the one who breaks the backs of the recalcitrant, recalcitrant, and the criminals who persist. So that means, um, that means those people who are extreme in their uh, defiance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That they are so extreme in their defiance and they persist in that nature. That Allah ta'ala grants them respite. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He excuses and He grants respite to somebody when they commit a wrong. And He continues to grant them respite, but because He's granted them respite, when He takes them, when He seizes them, then it's very swift and it's very severe. And it's very difficult in that moment. So now if we think about, uh, uh, for example, before we get to the, the example, that <clears throat> Imam Ghazali then also goes on, he says that if you look at the two types uh, or speeds of punishment that can come, one can be very quickly after doing a wrong, and we might notice that in some of our lives, that we do something wrong, and uh, we might commit a sin, and immediately something bad happens in our life. You know? And all of a sudden, we just have this sort of flashback to like, oh man, I did that one thing wrong, or I've been doing this thing wrong, and you know, this is probably Allah is just catching me right now. You know? But then there's being granted respite. So you think about somebody like Iblis. Right? For however many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, however long, Iblis has been granted respite. Allah Ta'ala is not seizing him yet. But Iblis will also be seized for the defiance and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his defiance was not simply the one act of disobedience, but it has continued and multiplied. And he's been the cause of so much disobedience ever since then, up until now, and will continue to be until the end of the world. So you have those types of punishments that can come uh, immediately after doing a wrong, and you have those that come after a time of respite. And so Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he mentions that the quick punishment uh, doesn't allow one to remain persistent on their disobedience. Therefore, it only has a certain level of, uh, you know, a certain level of what extremeness in it. Whereas once you have been given respite, then Allah Taala seizes. It is more severe because He has given you respite. He's given you the chance to let it go, to let it you know, uh, to, to make amends, to make your tawbah, to repent. And when you continuously refuse in that re- to, uh, to make uh, repentance, to make tawbah, to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to mend your ways, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, catches you. So as we mentioned that usually these verses speak about in, term, uh, in regards to those who are oppressors, those who are arrogant, those who are tyrannical in the lands. So if we see these people, we think about, we see how they are, you know, we look at, we might look at ourselves, we might look at other individuals around us who are going through difficulty one thing after another, and maybe there are things like sinful things that you can see in their life, and you just, you keep thinking, but like, you know, they keep facing one thing after another, after another, after another, and their situation is just not getting better, whereas here's this individual who is outright arrogant and defiant to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they keep rising and rising and rising. And they keep getting more. Their glory, you know, they keep having more glory. Their kingdom keeps growing. Their following and their supporters continue to increase. Why is that? So Imam Ghazali rahimullah explains that the reason for that is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is granting them respite. He's giving them rope. 
and he's giving them a chance, but because they are people of arrogance, they just continue in their arrogance. They continue and then they, con- they get worse in their oppression. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows that even to happen because he's going to be that much more severe when he does catch them. And so these individuals, they rise to the pinnacle and then they come crashing down all of a sudden and they lose everything. Right in the middle of all their glory, that's when everything goes. It's like the rug gets pulled out from under them. And so perhaps this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ الَّذِينَ يَظُنُّونَ أَنَّهُمْ مُلَاقَ اللَّهِ كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَلَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there are those who know, who have conviction that they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they said, كَمْ مِنْ فِئَةٍ قَلِيلَةٍ غَلَبَتْ فِئَةً كَثِيرَةً That how many of a small group have overcome and been victorious over a large group, بِإِذْنِ by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَاللَّهُ الصَّابِرِينَ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the patient ones. This is specifically, this verse was specifically in the story of uh, Dawood and Jalut, David and Goliath. Right? Specifically in that story. Now just to, um, you know, because some, we, we tend to think of David and Goliath, we, we think of like the biblical stories that we've heard and whatnot. The Quran doesn't, refer to a specific battle, a standoff between Dawud individually and this man, uh, this Jalut, and they have this like standoff and, and you know Jalut was a certain size and whatnot. The Quran doesn't say that. The Quran refers to Jalut and Dawud of course, but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran speaks about the size of Jalut, He doesn't speak about the size of Jalut as an individual, rather He speaks about the army that Jalut had with Him, the army of Goliath, that they were a massive army. And Dawud al-Islam's army, they weren't, they weren't a massive army. They were a very, a very small group. You can look at the Battle of Badr. Right? The Muslims were 300, just over 300. And they had practically nothing with them. Right? They had practically no weapons. They had no cavalry. They had like two camels. Some of them went out with sticks, just putting their trust in Allah. You know? Whereas the, uh, uh, the Quraysh were what? By about a thousand. They were slaughtering like 90 camels a day or something like that for their food, you know. <clears throat> and so uh, you have also the story of Musa and Banu Israel against Fir'aun. So you look at Fir'aun, for example, how, you know, how, how mighty he became. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought him down. And he, but before Allah ta'ala brought him down, he continued growing in his power. He continued growing in his arrogance. Uh, and his, in his mind, his prestige. And so perhaps that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows even such a standoff to happen. That these people, He's granted them respite and now they are shining in their arrogance. And it is that, at that moment that Allah ta'ala is going to bring them down. And He's going to disgrace them. Anyway, uh, ulama, other books, uh, ulama have written other books of, uh, on the 99 names. Mentioned that a penalty is not considered seeking revenge. So to penalize someone for something is not considered seeking revenge unless there's a couple of things that are found. One is that clemency, forbearance, compassion reach the limits of outrage. So they have to reach the limits of outrage. And it is, they understand this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, يَوْمَ نَبْتِشُ الْبَطْشَةَ الْكُبْرَى إِنَّا that, that is the day that we will seize them with a great seizing. Uh, and indeed we are the ones who uh, uh, take vengeance, right? And then number two, 
The other thing that has to be brought with it is a punish is that the uh, a punishment is affected after the punishment is affected after a period of respite, as we mentioned. So, compassion and forbearance have to reach their extreme limits, and the punishment has to come after a period of respite. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ عَادَ فَيَنْتَقِمُ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ ذُو انْتِقَامٌ That whoever returns, uh, uh, and whoever returns, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like whoever returns to their sin, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He takes vengeance from them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is almighty and the one who takes vengeance. So what does that tell us? It shows us that persistence and that continuity of sin. The disregard, right? So, we might think that, oh, well, you know, I sin again and again and again. And the same sin that I do again and again. And, you know, I seek, uh, uh, I make toba to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But still, uh, I'm not able to come out of the sin. So that's not the type of people that are being spoken about here. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that they continuously return without having made toba. That they even, perhaps a meaning that could also be conveyed here is that, you know, a person who might even be aware that what they're doing is wrong. It's manifest to them, but they still don't care. So those are the individuals that have to worry from this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's been so many, we mentioned Fir'aun and his people, right? Uh, the people of Aqa that Shu'ayb was sent to. Uh, Lut uh, right? What happened to people of Lut Now you have the Dead Sea, which is the place where Qawm Lut was destroyed. It became the Dead Sea. You have Salih he went to the people of Thamud. All of these individuals... All of, these, uh, all of these societies, they were destroyed after persisting in their disobedience and disregard for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after the, message, the messengers and their messages came to them. Right? That's why in the beginning, what was the verse that we recited? That don't think that Allah ta'ala will go against the promise of his, that He's given to His messengers. So you think through about the seerah of Rasulullah and so many verses in the Qur'an, the people that the messengers would go to would mock them. And they would say that, you know, you, uh, oh, if, if this day of judgment is going to come, then tell Allah to bring it. Tell your God to bring it. Oh, we're going to be punished? Then let's see the punishment. You know? They would, they would mock the prophets. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in response to those types of things, that don't think we're going to go against the promise we've given to our messengers. Right? This is a pact between Allah and His messengers, and it's not a pact to be broken. So Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he says that, our vengeance should be heavy on that which detracts us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nothing detracts us more from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than shaitan and then our lower selves. So he says that, for example, if our laziness keeps us from committing a good action, especially a habitual one, if we have a good action that we are in, in habit of, but our laziness, for example, keeps us from committing that good action one day, then we should deprive our lower selves as a type of punishment, right? Take vengeance against your lower self for having caused that laziness. And whatever the cause of that laziness was, so whatever put that laziness into the lower self, deprive it of that thing. So what's one of the main causes of laziness? Excessive food, you know? Uh, excessive food or extreme comforts. You know, there's, there's one uh, hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, the meaning of which, uh, I'll keep it short, you know, con uh, the concise version is that Rasulullah went to sleep one day and his, his, bed, his bedding had been folded up a little bit extra to provide more comfort. And so he wasn't able to get up in the same manner that he typically would that night for his ibadah. So after that, what did he do? He unfolded that bedding. He didn't want that comfort. 
You know, there's, there's some of the mashaykh we know, they refuse to sleep with the light on, with the light off. Because they're afraid they won't get up for tahajjud. You know? Um, but whatever level we're at, whatever capacity of good that we're doing, that we might be doing, even if we have a desire to do it, but something keeps us from it, and we know that it's something from our lower selves, then deprive yourself, your lower self, of that thing. So that we can strive in that goodness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And make that goodness a habit if it's not already a habit. The next name, uh, does anyone have any questions about that? So if you see oppression rising to power, remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala is, you know, we did, we've done al-haq also. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that will, you know, al-haq will, the haq will prevail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take what is necessary from all those that oppress. The next name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-afu. Afu is the effacer of sins. Um, <clears throat> you know, like people say, Afwan. We've heard the Arabs, right? <laughs> so it's like t- asking for forgiveness. And this actually has many different meanings depending on which form you put it in. Uh, whether you put it, make it a noun, an adjective, a verb, whatever it may be. Uh, however, regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means the, the effacer of sins. So Allah ta'ala says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ عَسَى اللَّهُ أَن يَعْفُوَ عَنْهُمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَفُوًا غَفُورًا uh, that they are the ones that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pardon them. And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the eraser of sins and the most forgiving. So He is the one who erases sins and overlooks acts of disobedience. This meaning is a meaning that is close, the meaning of this name is a meaning that is close to ghafur. So we did ghafur a long time ago. Uh, it's a meaning that is close to ghafur just like ghafir, you, know, you had Ghafir, the one who forgives, and Ghafur, the one who is all-forgiving. The difference between Ghafur, and it's going back to the form of the word again. There's no chalk, there's chalk. Um, <clears throat> Can I use the side? Right? Can you guys see on the side? Yep. So, um, if you use the... If you put the, the verb into this form, fa'ul, as opposed to fa'il, then what it does is it gives a more excellent version of the meaning, a more excellent meaning of the word. Right? So, for example, you had ghafir, and so you have ghafur, uh, which is similar to that. Afu is also goes into that, right? Now, uh, sorry, not fa'ul, uh, not fa'ul. It should be a fatah on the, the, the father. Anyway, it gives a more excellent meaning, right? So the semantics of it uh, is that it is more excellent in action. In whatever action you're trying to uh, achieve, it becomes more excellent in, in, uh, in that. So it is more... Just as ghafur was more uh, exaggerated, a more exaggerated form of ghafir, similarly, afu is a more exaggerated form of ghafur. It's more expressive than ghafur. Ghafur denotes concealment. So this is one of those that Imam Ghazali kind of keeps short. Uh, but uh, reiterating a little bit what was uh, said about ghafur. Ghafur was something that denotes concealment. So meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives you of your sins, but then, and He conceals your sins. 
right? So it's a, it's a type of forgiveness, but it's a type of concealment. Now, the concept of afu, we, we spoke about without mentioning it, because we weren't there yet. Um, if you think about the idea of concealing versus erasing, then erasing is more effectual, right? You can cover, some, you can cover a blemish, or you can remove the blemish. And so what's more effectual? What's more permanent? What's more lasting? The thing that's actually been removed, right? The blemish that's been removed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives, He conceals, and He actually erases. So He's the eraser of the sin. And the utmost in erasing a wrong to make one, uh, is to make one as though He never did it. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does when we make tawbah of our, uh, of our sins. And He makes us as though we never did it. And so many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this the result of certain actions that we might do. Imam Razi rahimahullah, uh, who was a very great Shafi and Mufassir of his time, says that there's two meanings for this. And one is to wipe, one is wipe out and removal. So that's one. Um, this means that it is wiped out and removed from the book of deeds, right? That the angels have, that the angels look at. And so a person will not be taken to account and asked about these. If it is removed from our book of deeds, then on the day of judgment, we won't even be asked about those sins. You know, that's the day of, 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 of account, where all of our actions are brought before us. But if our sins have been erased, Imam Razi, rahimullah, he says, you're not even going to be asked about those sins that you committed, those actions that you did. Um, and rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exchanged them for good deeds. And as we've mentioned, we recited the verse before, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا That except for the one who repents and believes and does righteous deeds, فَأُولَيْكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ That they are the ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, ex- will change uh, their evil deeds, their sins for good deeds. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most forgiving, most merciful. The second meaning that Imam Razi rahimullah says that this carries is the granting of favors. So in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ مَاذَا يُنْفِقُونَ That they ask you, what should they spend on? How should they spell, spend their wealth? قُلْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says الْعَفْوَ Tell them, الْعَفْوَ Tell them that they should spend it on uh, whatever is in extra, whatever is, has been given to them in excess, in surplus, meaning that which is a favor to them, that which has been a favor to them. They should spend it on those things and they should spend from those things. So don't deprive yourself of what you need, but, but spend out of the favors that have been given to you. Uh, also, Imam Razi Ramallah, he says that this means to grant favors. Somebody who, who has this quality is one that grants favors and they are not frustrated by it. So <laughs> we might have experienced, you know, sometimes you, 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 you know, what, what's the, like in Urdu, I think they have a saying that uh, you give out your hand and they'll take an arm, Right? And you get frustrated, right? That somebody asks you for something, they'll ask you for a favor, they'll ask you for help, and you feel good about it. You say, yeah, I'll do it. It's like, you know, when you first you go to, I went to South Africa, and there was one, one individual there. And, uh, you know, he was younger and whatnot as well. First day he comes to me, he says, hey, man, you know, can I have, can I have five rands? So five rands is nothing. Five rands is like 50 cents. Okay, it's, it's nothing. At the time, maybe it was like 70 cents, right? So you give them five rands. Yeah, man, no problem. You're feeling good. Yeah, I can, you know, I'm, I'm out studying the deen. And, you know, you're still thinking it's like an environment of like, you know, Medina and, you know, the, the Sahaba and whatnot. Like everybody's just like amazing. And, you know, and then you realize like all these parents put their kids there that <laughs> don't want to be there also, right? 
And so they, you know, they come to you and they, give, they ask for some money. So you're just like, yeah, okay, I'll give you, you know, five rands. It's nothing, right? The next, like, next day or two days later, he comes back to me. Hey, man, can I have two more rands? Okay, yeah, no problem. A couple more rands. The next day again, I was like, man, this guy's kind of making a habit, a habit of it, right? So <laughs> after like the fourth day, I was like, yeah, man, no problem. When are you going to pay me back? And he's like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and he's like getting upset that well, how could you ask me to pay you back? He didn't come and ask me again for money. Right? <laughs> no. so, so sometimes you get frustrated uh, by giving favors out so many t- so uh, so much to people because you feel like they're taking advantage. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is not like that, right? He is the one that this quality is such that you grant favors and you're never frustrated by it. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said in the Quran, "Wal yafu wal yasfahu." Uh, in Surah An-Nur, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this regarding Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Uh, this was after the ifk, uh, the slander against Aisha radiallahu anha, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent verses to clear her name. And uh, one of the individuals that was involved in this, that got caught up in, in sort of spreading the slander, not starting it, but spreading it, um, was uh, a man by the name of Mistah. I believe. And he was a relative of Abu Bakr. And uh, when Abu Bakr found, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had cleared her name, then um, Abu Bakr used to give, before that, he used to give a stipend and whatnot to this relative of his. And after this, he's like, that's it, I'm not giving him anymore. Because, like, you said this about my daughter, right? Although it's interesting to note that Abu Bakr didn't cut him off from it beforehand. And when Aisha Radhiana asked Abu Bakr that why did you not speak up to clear my name before? Because this is quite a bit of time passed. Abu Bakr he said, I couldn't say I couldn't speak about something that I didn't know, I didn't have knowledge of. So I didn't have knowledge of this this matter of yours. So I, I couldn't speak about it, even though it was his own daughter. Anyway, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends this verse to rebuke Abu Bakr. So what do we say? That sometimes there's good people, like in the last name, right? So sometimes there's good people, they they deviate a little bit from the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants and Allah ta'ala catches them very quickly, right? So Abu Bakr, he said, I don't want to give to this individual anymore. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this verse saying, no, pardon them and excuse them. Do you not hope that Allah ta'ala would forgive you of your shortcomings? And indeed Allah is most forgiving and most merciful, right? So this is what it means to have that, uh, to be afu, right? To have, to pardon, to remove uh, sins. Anyway, so Imam, Ghazali, uh, Imam uh, Razi rahimullah, brings this showing that it means to grant favors and not be frustrated by it. Now, we have to remind ourselves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treats His servants the way they treat others. So we have to be individuals who pardon people. That we have to be people, and this is, as we mentioned, a higher level of forgiveness, Right? That a lot of times, something, a dispute happens, and we can't find it in ourselves to forgive them. And yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said uh, that, uh, it's come through the hadith, the Prophet saw some, that, uh, you know, th- those who want to have mercy on others, um, those who do not have mercy on others, then the, the, those in the heavens will not have mercy on them, to that effect. And so, we recognize that we should forgive people. But now what about, you know, it stays in our mind. Okay, it stays in our mind. We have to f- try to move past that, right? Try to move past it. And if we can't, I mean, it's kind of a natural human quality that things stay with you for a long time, right? The at least we can do is not hold any grudges. Meaning, in our, at least in our actions, we shouldn't treat them 
badly, in a, in a bad manner, right? We shouldn't treat them disrespectfully and whatnot. But a higher level of that is to, is as though it didn't even happen. Like, it's gone from our mind in such a, to such an extent that it's as though it never even happened. You know, like wholeheartedly, we actually feel this compassion for this individual. That's a higher level, and that's a level that we have to try to achieve. And, you know, sometimes there's going to be situations in relationships where we're just not able to do that, right? We're not able to, you know, if we try to, for, if we try to force ourselves to get to that situation by spending more time with someone, it's just going to get worse. So if we're not at that level with this particular individual, then, okay, we're not there yet, right? Don't want to make things worse. But know that there is a higher level that we can at least strive to attain. You know, but the least we can do is forgive and then uh, try to move past it. Any other questions? Any questions? So it was uh, time for Maghrib a little bit ago. Um, we, can, uh, we can do one more name, very short, right? And then we'll, we'll, we'll make Maghrib, inshallah. Although we shouldn't delay this long, but... The next name, uh, Ar-Ra'uf. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name is Ar-Ra'uf. Now, the book, this book uh, translates it as uh, the, the all-pitying, the one who pities others. Others have translated as the... Ra'uf means to be compassionate and friendly, the most kind. Um, others have translated as the, the clement one. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has said, in Allah bin nasi la ra'ufur rahim that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the people is ra'ufun ra'uf and rahim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most kind most pitying and most merciful to all of people to all of humanity and this this trait of rafa is more intense is a more intensified form of mercy so Imam Ghazali all he says on the matter is uh, this is one who possesses pity, and pity is in an, in an intensification of mercy. So its meaning is the same as the merciful, although more emphatic, and we have already explained it. Um, now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oftentimes brings these two names together, these two qualities, Ra'uf and Rahim, He brings them together. But typically, He advances Ra'uf before Rahim. He'll say Ra'uf before He says Rahim. Uh, as in the verse that we just recited, and then also in the verse speaking about Rasulullah himself, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَعَنِتُمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَأُوفُ الرَّحِيمِ That indeed the messenger uh, has come to you from amongst your own selves, and he finds it very difficult on himself that you suffer difficulties and tribulations. And he is, in regards to his ummah, in regards to the believers, most kind and most merciful. That was regarding the Prophet so Ra'uf we know can be used for others other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used it for the Prophet But why is Rafa advanced over mercy? The ulama mentioned that mercy is displayed only after the one capable of mercy is made aware of the object's need of mercy. So that's the only time your mercy is displayed. Okay? And compassion is needed in order for the one able to grant their mercy. So what does that mean? That the source of mercy... I think it's Imam Qushayri or something that said this. The source of mercy is the perfection of the one in need of it and in dire need of compassion. So the source of mercy is the one who is, uh, is the perfection of the one that is in need of it and in dire need of compassion. Whereas the source of compassion is the perfection of the deed of effecting mercy and enabling it to reach the person. In short, what that means is you see somebody in anguish and you want to have mercy on them. 
or you do some act of kindness for them, and that is merciful towards them, to remove them out of that anguish. But in order for you to display that mercy, you have to have first had the compassion to want to give them that mercy. Because mercy might be within us, but if you don't have mercy for a person, that compassion, then, then uh, if, if you don't have compassion in you, then that mercy will not come out and be manifest to this person, will not be bestowed on this person, right? And so that's why uh, uh, Ra'uf is connected to Rahim, <coughs> but it is more, a more emphatic form of it as well. <coughs> and there's a, a, a story that Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, rahimullah, he once heard that there was a man who had, you know, three, three uh, understandings or interpretations for every single hadith. So he went to, uh, he went to visit him. And when he arrived, then the person was feeding a dog. And the, you know, he looked at Imam Ahmad, gave him salam, and he continued feeding the dog. So Imam Ahmad waited. When the man was finished, then he turned and he asked him, he said, are you, are you irritated that you came? Are you irritated because uh, part of our uh, hospitality to one another is that when someone comes to visit you, then I would, you know, I, would, uh, I, I should have turned to you with all my attention instead of continuing on with the dog. So Imam Ahmad, rahimullah, he says, yeah, it, it did irritate me a little bit, you know. So the man says, um, the, the man says, yeah, okay, that's, that's understandable. But the reason I didn't turn towards you completely is because this dog has never come to me before. And I was afraid that I would be overstepping the rights of this dog and that my compassion for this dog, as a result of not showing the compassion for this dog, which has come to me for the first time um, and perhaps may never come again, that I would be deprived of some other type of mercy. So Imam Ahmad, rahimullah, he heard, and, and the, the man mentioned it to him in this, some type of hadith like this. So Imam Ahmad hears this, and he says that this is enough for me. He takes the hadith, and he goes. <laughs> right, so Rafa is a more emphatic form of Rahim. So you have Rahma, and you have Rahim. Uh, sorry, you have uh, Ar-Rahman, and you have Ar-Rahim, and you have uh, Ar-Ra'uf. And Ar-Rahman was more specific than Rahim as well. <coughs> Any questions regarding that? اللهم انت السلام منك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام سمعنا وطانا وفرانك ربنا وليك المصير اللهم اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وطهر قلوبنا وحسن فروجنا ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار عذاب القبر عذاب الموت ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به وعفو عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين يا الله forgive us of our sins يا الله our major sins our minor sins Ya Allah, bestow and envelop your mercy upon us, Ya Allah. Envelop us with your mercy, showered upon us, Ya Allah. Forgive us of our sins, Ya Allah. Allow us to be proper and beautiful reflections of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, let us love him, Ya Allah, let us love you, Ya Allah. Let us be loved by you and loved by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, let us love all those that love Rasulullah and let us love those that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us of our sins and let us be examples of right and justice and goodness, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the best of this world and the best of the akhirah and raise us on Yawm Al-Qiyamah with, with, with those that have pleased you and grant us the highest stages of Jannah, Ya Allah, with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Jannat Al-Firdaus. 
اللهم إننا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذ منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنت المستعان عليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون وسلامنا المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Also, um, there's a dua of the Prophet ﷺ that he used to say, Allahumma inni asaluka al-'afwa wal-'afiyah. That, oh Allah, I seek pardon and goodness. So, afiyah is is also connected to afu, right? Pardon and goodness. And goodness, afiyah is something that we should link with all of our dua. We ask for, you know, a righteous spouse, somebody that brings us closer to Allah. Say with afiyah, because Allah Ta'ala could bring you closer to Him. Through patience also, right? So with everything, we should ask for afia with everything. You know, uh, Allah, make me somebody that is close to you and beloved to you with afia, right? So just connect that. It's, a, it's like an all-encompassing dua as well.